Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to another episode of Level Up, the esports and gaming show. I'm Nathan Bliss, the esports and gaming writer for Reach PLC. And not joining me today is Marcus Banks, uh, but don't worry, he'll be back next week. With people spending more time indoors and no sport on TV yet, we've seen sim racing rise in popularity. Whether it be the F1 Virtual Grand Prix with real-life F1 drivers, content creation on YouTube, or even people just wanting to get their own sim racing setups at home. Today, I'm joined by Arava, one of the biggest F1 content creators and also an ambassador for Alfa Romeo Esports. We talk about his career in content creation, esports controversies, the future of esports, and even talk a little bit of FIFA too. Enjoy. How you doing, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Uh, good to be on, and um, yeah, ready to talk some Formula One and some esports. Yeah. So, uh, first of all, I mean, it's kind of an, an unprecedented time that we're living in at the moment. How has your kind of work been affected by it? Um, I mean, to be fair, my day to day has not been largely affected, thankfully, because uh, most of the time I was inside creating video content. Um, but obviously, it's a little bit different of uh, not having anything to really look forward to, I guess, of going outside, you know, week to week and on the weekends and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, I've been one of the lucky few, I think, where my jobs have been kind of relatively unaffected in in a way. But uh, obviously, it's still things that have changed. I, you know, advertise maybe not spending as much on YouTube per se, but obviously that kind of counteracts with like views being up just because everyone's indoors. So it's kind of, you know, you take it as it goes. Yeah, so looking at your kind of career history, as it were, in general, I mean, I was looking at some of your um, older kind of content on YouTube, and you've been doing <laughs> oh, it <God>. for <laughs> you've been doing it for about seven years now, is it in total? Uh, yeah, about se- yeah, seven or eight years, yeah. I guess. Um, when it first started, very tentatively with uh, like a camera pointed at a TV screen yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, well, I was looking at some of your earliest videos on YouTube, and you were getting about a thousand views, and you were doing like the twenty-four place twenty-four to first challenges and stuff on a yeah. variety of different circuits on the old F1 games. And then uh, last year, you got a video that broke a million views. So uh, it's been quite the growth for you, hasn't it, over the last couple of years? You don't really realize it as you go on, but yeah, just just kind of think about it now. It's been kind of crazy, the journey uh, that the channel's been on. And I can't actually, it's been so long now, you know, seven years is quite a long time. I can't even remember the feeling of like uploading a video and kind of looking forward to so eagerly to a thousand views. Because I, I remember, I think, you know, back when I started, I, w- I would get so excited by getting one subscriber in one day. And now it's a case of, you know, if, if it's like a really insane period for of the year where like, let's say if the new F1 game comes out, then, you know, you could get like a thousand subscribers in a day. So it's kind of crazy to see how, how it's scaled up over the years. Yeah, you don't really realize it as you go on. It's only now when you pause and look back, I guess you can kind of see how far it's come. Yeah. And talking of insane, one of my favorite videos that you've ever done, obviously, along with a lot of other people probably, is when you raced against Ferrari F1 driver Charles Leclerc in Austria <laughs> yeah. uh, in the Veloce Esports, not the GP Versus series. I mean... Surely that must have been like a moment where you're like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, that's certainly going to be, I think, won't be top for a long, long time, actually, in my career in terms of just that situation of lining up. I think what one of my viewers actually put it really nicely, succinctly, was uh, I went from racing Charles Leclerc's AI in the F1 game to racing actual Charles Leclerc like, <laughs> on the game. Like, you know, on the, on the on the video, you see on the top left, you know, the, the name on the standing ladder, and it says Charles Leclerc, and usually it's the AI driver, but at that time it was actually him, and... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's the closest thing mere mortals like us will probably ever get to uh, going wheel to wheel with a Formula One driver, even if it's virtually. And, and yeah, I mean, I was bricking it, absolutely bricking it, going onto the onto the fiber lights. But um, I think anyone would in my position, to be honest. Oh, yeah. I mean, it must have just been a surreal moment. But of course, in these kind of times that we're living in right now, that's happening more and more. You've got the obviously the virtual GPs that are 
been happening yeah. with like celebrities getting involved and uh, content creators such as yourself and Jimmy Broadbent and stuff being involved in the races as well. Do you think we're going to see more of that as kind of time goes on? I think we'll continue to see, it, of course, uh, as we go on through this period of time when the real sport recommences, which potentially is going to be July or later. Um, you know, maybe we'll see a reduction of those events just because the F1 drivers specifically are going to be very, very busy. But I think this has opened up people's eyes potentially in the industry of this being an avenue to still entertain people when we're not going to real life races potentially i think for a lot of the the drivers let's say in the case of charles claire i think you know he didn't used to stream before this uh lando norris has been streaming for about three years now so he'll he'll always continue but i think drivers like leclerc who else really i'm trying to think of it's on my head russell latifi maybe, um yeah, Alvin. Yeah, yeah, Alvin's a big one, actually. Yeah. Uh, I think those guys will maybe, you know, now appreciate the fun of it and see it's a great way to interact with fans. And so maybe when they have the time, if they have the time in between, you know, real life Grand Prix this year and next year, maybe they'll just hop on a cheeky stream and, uh, you know, just have some fun basically and be able to interact with the very people that you know, idolize them week in, week out. Yeah, I mean, I think it's been great to, to see like the real personalities of the F1 drivers. Yeah. Especially because sure. you, you do, they are media trained and when they get asked the low questions after the race, it's normally after they've uh, either just finished like a two hour race or they've been like knocked out by someone or they've um, failed to finish or something. So they're normally yeah, in the yeah. pen under pressure to answer questions <laughs> yeah, or yeah. not feeling yeah, the yeah. best mood. So it's been great to to see like people like George Russell, Norris, Leclerc, Albon, like get together and like really show their personality. Like I, I, I never thought I'd see Charles Leclerc in like a banana costume, for example. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he's like, well, you could argue now with with Vettel leaving, he's a Ferrari's number one driver, and he's been. He's been like showing his personality. He's yeah, been... yeah, it's a weird one. Yeah, like, you don't see that normally with Ferrari drivers. They're quite, you know, it's almost like McLaren used to be very yeah. kind of, you know, boxed in. Square Ron, Ron Dennis, and... wasn't it? That kind of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but I think it's been great to see, and hopefully it carries on because obviously esports is like a multi-million, uh, multi-billion, sorry, dollar industry, and it's only going to grow now with this. Obviously, the the pandemic, it's had a massive impact on a number of in- industries, but one of the industries that is growing is esports and gaming. I mean, in general, so maybe that we're going to see a lot more of those kind of events, and hopefully, yeah, potentially, yeah, definitely. I mean, for like the racing, especially racing esports, I think, um, you know, esports itself is so big, so it's like kind of sectioned off into different games, and so for the racing side of esports, it's it definitely probably moved us forward by about. I know I'd say maybe even like two, three years uh, in the span of like a few months in terms of where we were in terms of level of interaction, how many people are watching it and how many more casual people are understanding what it's all about or just enjoying virtual racing, yeah. whether it be proper esports events or more kind of fun charity ones or just, you know, gaming, uh, gaming content in general, uh, like mine or other creators, basically. So uh, it's really cool to see how much it's been accelerated and making the best out of a bad situation, yeah. obviously. Do you think the games are ready for such kind of um, a high level of esports, do you think the games available are, are, are good enough? I think in certain aspects, maybe maybe it's like you know we've it's jumped so far that maybe yeah the games can't keep up in a, in a certain aspect. But um, I think for the kind of fun events we've been doing and seeing around in the F1 world specifically, I think it's still good enough to just create some entertainment. But of course, you know you're always going to want more from from an event always going to want more from a game as is the case every single year when the f1 game comes out you're always looking for improvements and such and the same with simulators having uh, simulation games having you know updates you know every few months to make sure they they continue the trend of improving their uh realism or you know just the physics or whatnot so um it was going to want more and i think it just puts more pressure actually in my in a good way to actually raise the level maybe to meet the demand in, in a sense yeah, because you've seen, I mean, we've seen a lot of positivity around kind of gaming and esports in general, but I've seen a couple of people say it, it's just a game and uh, it's it's not really racing and it's not like real life, for example. I know some of the F1 drives have said that some of the systems and how the car feels isn't quite right yeah. in terms of realism. But I mean, it's what we've got right now. And I think hopefully in the next few years, we'll bridge that gap between kind of the sim racing and the real life hopefully where we'll get them close up because right now you see that the actual professional sim racers are normally quicker than the f1 drivers yeah i think uh it's it's a case of i think the real drivers for sure obviously have a great feeling of like the tires and that's a big thing the tires has always cropped up it's even conversation 
the difference of the virtual version of the tire model versus the real life. You know, I've seen the IndyCar drivers say that a lot about iRacing when they've done the I, uh, Indy events of, you know, the way the tire is different. So I think that's a big thing. And I think in general, you're always going to have that because it's, it's you know, you have a professional real driver and it's this different virtual world and it's not totally realistic. Obviously, they try their best, but it's never going to be. So it's a bit of clash of egos uh, sometimes. But at the same time, I think the real world kind of forgets that the virtual world was always there without them. So they need to kind yeah. of respect also in a way of how seriously other sim races take it. Even if you don't think the game is as realistic as possible, they still take it realistically. It is there for some of them. It is their profession. So kind of, you know, have that respect there. Yeah, and obviously coming off some of the kind of events that have been happening, obviously you've had the case of Daniel Apt, haven't you, over the last few days, where it's just been a, a crazy situation where it was like, oh, yeah, we're having fun, and then all of a sudden it's become like a, a serious issue. Where do you stand on that? Because you could take it both ways, couldn't you? You could look at it as if, um, yeah, it was an official event. For people that don't know, I'll just summarise it. Basically, Daniel Apt is a Formula, was a Formula E driver for Audi since been dropped because instead of taking part in a virtual race himself, he got a sim racer to do it for him and he's since been dropped by Audi uh, for Formula E. But, I mean, which which side do you take it? Do you think that was going a bit too far or do you think it was just one of those things? I mean, it's a case of, obviously, I think the Formula E event, Formula E contractually i think you know made the teams participate in that yeah yeah and then the teams obviously have a contract with the drivers so contractually apps was meant to be there so i can fully in that regard audi can do what they want because that's a breach of the contract maybe of you know you're meant to participate it's your paid job so audi they can do whatever they want whether it's fire him or reprimand him or whatever but away from that i think there the issue was in my opinion, is the fact that the event itself was a charity event. You know, it seemed like just a fun little event. And also yeah. the, the game and the mod itself, the R Factor 2 mod, let's be real, it doesn't seem that amazing and like, you know, bulletproof because there's a lot of issues. Even the drivers themselves say it was a bit of a joke and they were just having some fun and half the drivers were tuning off and not taking too seriously. So in that regard, no matter how serious Formula E and the teams want to take it, you've got to remember the content being produced from that is not the same serious content that they were hoping for. It's this kind of funny sort of, you know, charity race that they're taking part in. So I think they kind of almost forgot what they're doing it for. Like, I think one of the reasons I saw people tweeting when I tweeted about it was saying that sponsors were involved. And so it was to do with real life consequences. It wasn't just the YouTube world. Because I feel like, you know, when you're on YouTube, you've got to play by YouTube rules. And that's, you know, the content comes first and the sponsor money comes second. But I feel like because real life sponsors were getting involved, in this stuff they were you know it's that classic real world thing where they're just thinking about their, their exposure their money and they've yeah. kind of forgotten a way that it was meant to just be a fun charity event you're trying to raise money for charity so let's stop being so serious about it no one really cared about the results there's no prize money involved i doubt the formula e drivers really minded too much you know yes in the moment they might care for like those few minutes but <laughs> I, I give van dorn 10 minutes to cool yeah, off like how he yeah. cares about losing out to daniel apt or yeah. the sim racer and i still maintain that video if if they allowed app to reveal the video and make a really cool YouTube video, I honestly think that would have been much better PR for Formula E as a whole than this entire situation. Because you would have had this really cool video title of maybe Sim Racer beats real Formula E drivers. They had no idea or something like that. You know, that classic sort of YouTube title. But that could have done really well. And that could have been a really positive thing of this whole blend of esports and real life for the Formula E world. Um, but instead now, you've got this whole kind of mess and aftermath and people are us are debating about which was, uh, <laughs> you, know, you know, who falls on the right side. Yeah, I think that was the ultimate moment where you saw that there was this real convergence between esports and more traditional sports, if you like, because everyone kind of viewed esports, the racing as a bit of fun or whatever. But to some people within that, it was serious. And then to some people, it wasn't. It's just that convergence of, okay, so how do we class because esport yeah, is a totally. sport and is is it in its own right, but it's not a traditional sport. But some people still view esports as a bit of kind of a, oh, it's not a real sport, but it is. Yeah, esports of like as an as a sport, I think it. I mean, it deserves the respect that I think uh, we we think it should get. 
I think that's kind of almost the crux of the issue, though, is when they look at these events, I think there's almost still to this day confusion of the difference between just gaming and just esports. Definitely. Like, yeah. You can, you know, you all I've said it before in tweets with the same argument when we had the issue with Pagano uh, taking out Lando Norris is, um, yeah. you know, all esports is gaming but not all gaming is esports you can just game casually with your friends you know when leclerc and alban and russell are just doing some open lobbies or just going backwards at monaco on f1 that's not esports they're just having some fun yeah and so i think maybe some of these companies get confused with wanting to push an esports brand and also have a gaming event and so there's that kind of blur of is this a serious event or is it a kind of casual one where there are no rules and kind of anything goes in my view uh, esports is competitive gamers going against each other on a game yeah. um so for example like foot champions something like that on fifa wouldn't be classed as esports to me because that's just any any gamer can face off against another gamer they might actually get paired against an esports player but it's not technically an esports it's event. got yeah it's got the pedigree i think the the kind of you know ladder up to esports in in a sense with with foot champions and i think the same thing for like uh games in bigger games like fortnite where you know it's player based uh it's you know skill-based matchmaking so they're trying to encourage players to get better and get you know good at the game essentially but Obviously, it's not an esports tournament until you know Fortnite, you know, unveil their new World Cup tournament, or whatever. Yeah. So up until that point, it is just gaming. It may be kind of competitive, but I think any kind of multiplayer game is, in a way, if you're you know playing someone, it always is a bit competitive. Um, you know, obviously, you get the kind of normal single player games, but I mean, multiplayer games uh, have that happy blend of being able to have the two, of course. And yeah. with racing games, especially the F1 game, obviously, you know, especially with my channel, I can play it offline a lot. That's most of my content. But then you have this whole different world of people racing each other. But that can be in a casual or competitive manner. But there's a definite distinction that I feel the real world sometimes forgets about. Do you think games are going to go that way eventually? Because we've seen, haven't we, um, in the upcoming F1 2020 game, you're going to have a casual mode for more casual yeah. players. Yeah. So do you think we're going to see games where there's two editions? There's going to be the casual edition and the esports edition? It's uh, It's been interesting because there, there was an interview, I think, recently with one of the de uh, developers or one of the kind of higher-ups, say, Codemasters and F1, speaking about the fact that following that casual mode that they, uh, like he's mentioning is, is going to be interested into uh, 2020, they are thinking long term, not in the near future, but maybe a couple of years time, maybe it's it would be a good idea to have a simulation mode where, you know, you have the normal physics of the game and the kind of handling of the cars. And then they have this simulation mode where it's a lot more like potentially iRacing or R-Factor where the physics are very unforgiving, potentially, which is a whole debate in itself. But that's realistic because a lot of the drivers obviously have uh, real drivers have criticized that <laughs> at times. But, um, you know, having that different handling model versus the normal one, it could work. I mean, I think uh, I've always kind of almost longed and kind of said it uh, here and there that for in terms of F1 esports, I feel like they almost need to just make a separate game one year called F1 like esports or whatever, like the, yeah. the esports edition. And then they stick with that for the esports and have a separate team because there's always this tug of war i feel with development with of course still and there's no there's no you know two ways about it they can spin the esports growth as much as they want f1 the majority of the players who buy the f1 game still buy it for career mode and still buy it for single player so there's a smaller fan base that actually play it competitively week in week out for league racing and esports so why not make a smaller game that's got a dedicated team and you can have a handling model that's consistent over the years because every year our esports, I mean, we have it with uh, Voce Esports and uh, the Alfa Romeo uh, F1 Esports team that I'm kind of included in. You know, I hear the drivers every single year, they have to stress themselves about learning a whole new handling model yeah. every year. What esports has that? Like, like, I mean, I know Call of Duty has different CODs every single year, but Fortnite's a consistent platform in a way. Obviously, the, the kind of meta changes, I guess, from season to season of yeah, Fortnite. Yeah. And FIFA has a sort of different gameplay, but FIFA doesn't really change that drastically, whereas F1 can drastically change its handling model, and it has done before. I think from 20... 17 to 18 there was a massive change and then 2018 to 19 there was also another change because of the real life sport changing its regulations yeah. and we'll see that when well now it's 2022 isn't it uh when the regulations come in that's going to change the handling model so i feel like if they want better racing which at times let's admit f1 esports sometimes doesn't have because the drivers are so 
competitive and they're so at such a high level that pretty much the entire field's covered by five tenths, which is great on like a headline, but in the game with the physics the way they are right now, it doesn't really allow for great racing because everyone's stuck in these DRS trains and ERS trains. So it is uh, interesting to see and hear Codemasters and F1 talking about the possibility in a few years having those different modes. And I think it could also help, like we were talking about the, the kind of issue with seeing what's what, it would kind of help with that of kind of separating it from that's the esports side of things and this is just a casual uh, gaming thing so you know if you're going to do a charity event where you're going to invite a load of celebrities and f1 drivers to play the casual version of the game we know it's what it is and then we're going to get the esports dri drivers do an exhibition race on the esports version of the game see uh, that's really interesting because i think f1 and gaming uh driving games have a massive advantage over other games because like you said they the gaming physics and the driving physics they rely on rule changes especially formula one which is one of the big yeah. things but in terms of actually the gameplay itself, I think it's more consistent than something, for example, like FIFA, because FIFA's having a massive issue at the moment with unpredictability in the gameplay. So, yeah. I mean, it's you could be... Like, yeah. yeah, I mean, football, it's, it's an unpredictable game as it is. So they're really stuck in the middle between do we make a game that's realistic and that has chance, or do we make an esports game that is not realistic but at least it's predictable because we've seen things at esports events uh FIFA, major fifa esports events where people lose out on thousands of pounds yeah. of prize money because one of their shots hits the post yeah when i've it seen a lot of that in. where it's just like yeah oh, it must be so frustrating for them exactly. as a player i think that i mean for fifa I mean, if, we, if we segue to fifa a little bit that's always a an issue in the last few years i've heard because um, i i live with a, a fifa content creator so i hear it a lot oh, of okay. um you know the the game's just not fun anymore though as an as a, as a overall aspect compared to what it yeah. maybe was a few years ago and i think that uh, kind of that started to occur in a way when they started to really push the foot champs weekends and started to push players to quote unquote competitively play but you know basically essentially just play each other but in a more kind of structured tournament way week in week out where they sort of almost forgot about just making the the game fun to play in a sense which is why i can maybe bring that point up for f1 is i don't want it to fall into a trap where the entire game is changing because of a minority that plays the game. It needs to kind of cater to everyone, which is the beauty of the F1 game in a way. It's such a pick up and play sort of game, but also at the same time, you have the high end esports drivers. But uh, you make a good point as well, obviously. There is that kind of more easier real to virtual thing you know it's the only kind of game where you know you can play the esports version and you're in the same sort of seating position you're doing the same yeah, sort of input yeah. on the wheel as the real life thing compared to fifa let's say so it is a interesting sort of you know there's two ways to look at it i think and it's uh one that i think f1 and i mean everyone involved in it needs to kind of you know look at and that's the kind of question we need to start answering in the next few years of how we want to take it and which direction do you go in yeah, so for example, when the F1 2020 game comes out, you know that if you practice on Zandvoort, the new track in uh, Holland, if you practice on that every single day and you know the exact breaking points, you know how much throttle to put in in certain corners, you know the yeah, apex yeah. speed. If you know, if you're in, if you're in a competitive esports event and you're driving on Zandvoort, you know that if you press the pedal that hard, you'll spin out. But if you press the pedal this hard, you'll carry yeah. on and set good lap times whereas in fifa uh, professional esports players they can do the same input in the same situation in a certain game totally and it, yeah and it's completely different to if yeah. they've done it before so that's that's the thing yeah, where that's, uh... that's that's the unpredictable nature that we're talking about so i think with football particularly it's an unpredictable game and i think fifa ea sports have been have tried to make it too realistic and that's fine but making a realistic football game you're going to have chance involved you're going to have unpredictability but when there's money on the line i think f1 and racing games have a really big advantage on that realism side because there's not much i mean of, of course there's rain and stuff that can happen in games but that yeah. can be controlled as much as possible whereas... yeah exactly i think for the most part i think my, i can't actually remember i, th I think the esports events uh last year i think the i think the setting was potentially they always try and go for the dry races just to kind of take that chance out because yeah. i think yeah. i think the almost rain i think that's a good point kind of the rain in a, in a racing game 
uh, is almost like the chance that is in FIFA because no one can really simulate how rain works properly on, <laughs> on a game because it's it's such yeah. a well but to, to excuse the kind of you know the the wording but it's such a fluid sort of thing you know rain <laughs> no, you know no, it's such a you know you can't really account for you can't make a physics engine that accurately you know predicts how rain affects a car on a road and a surface and grass and stuff so they try and stay away from that but um what you yeah, can think, do is so, practice. You can practice on a wet track, and you know how yes, that car handles you, on the wet you track. You can get better on it on a consistent. And, that, yeah. and that's what I was actually about to say. You can get consistent at what is a consistent feeling across the racing game. So, every game, no matter what, every racing game, no matter what it is, I, I racing, R Factor F1. There's that consistency that you is literally the opposite of what you just mentioned with FIFA is, you know, it's, you could do the same skill move or the same sort of, you know, attacking style and it may not just work for you or, you know, the same shot. Whereas with racing games, yeah, they differ from, you know, racing game to racing game and year to year with the F1 game. But if you stay on the same game, stay on the same platform, you do get that consistency of like you mentioned, you know, the driver learns that kind of muscle memory of, you know, if I, you know, stamp on the throttle at this point, I can get out the corner just fine, a little bit yeah. earlier, not quite. And the same thing with steering inputs, you know, it's a massive amount of muscle memory you get really of just driving a track so many times, your body's going to get used to that feeling. Whereas with FIFA, yeah, it just sounds like, and it has always seemed like whenever I've watched it, it's just a lot, there is some skill involved, obviously, but there's that overriding end product of there's just going to be some some luck some random yeah. nu number generation yeah. in the coding of is that is <laughs> that all going to go in yeah allegedly <laughs> allegedly <laughs> yeah The thing about F1 I find as well, watching the esports events and what struck me was everyone is at a level playing field and anyone with practice, you've got that practice slash talent thing. Whereas yeah, of course, if yeah. you can tell who's been practicing and learning yeah, the sure. braking points and learning the throttle input and learning the apex speeds and you can tell who hasn't, you've also got the talent that props it up. Whereas on FIFA, I could practice every day, all day for a year and then you could practice every every month for a year but you could still potentially beat me on a game and that shouldn't be the case yeah especially you know if it's mean? yeah especially if it's it's if we're talking about esports being a sport you know that that basically goes against what the whole point of a sport is exactly yeah. uh, you know part and parcel of a sport is you know you're you're an athlete you get you know you put in the time you know it doesn't matter if it's a strenuous uh practice or, or not or, or like you know non-strenuous in the case of gaming it's still practice and time you're putting in to master a craft yeah, like you said, that literally just paints a picture of you, you, there's no point in a way of putting in so much time. <laughs> yeah. You may as well try and, you know, just enjoy yourself outside of those yeah. hours because, you know, you could put in you know, half the practice and still get the same result depending on the players you've got in in the FIFA game or just the general, you know, the luck overriding, um, you know, sense of, oh, you get close to 49 minutes, you know, plus added time on top four minutes into extra time of the first half. And there's always that overriding th feeling of even for casual players of, oh, it just happened to go in, did it? you know the, the, the goal <laughs> yeah. just happens to occur in plus yeah. four minutes and obviously uh, ea will always deny that there's a strong thing happening there but it feels like for a lot of casual players and esports players that does happen a lot of the time <laughs> yeah and there's nowhere to hide is there as well in no, f1 no. esports so if you're if you haven't practiced you're going to be seconds slower than the, the person, yeah for sure i mean you know Compared to if we just look at the kind of the virtual GP, you can just see the, the massive difference between the celebrities and the drivers. Yeah. But yeah. then you take something like the Veloce Esports, not the GP that I've been involved in. When I'm commentating, I'm picking out the differences between the guys who play the game a lot, you know, the content creators or the sim races versus the real drivers. And you can see, yeah, they may be real drivers. Yes, they picked up the game very quickly. And so they're a lot faster than, let's say, me, because I don't play the game to that level of competitiveness. I kind of play it enough to make a good video. And that's where I kind of stop. So a real driver, yeah, they can come in in, in a week's time, be quicker than me, but they can't be quicker than an esports player because the esports players put in countless hours and on hours and hours on the game. So they've got to that level where they're just that good. So there's that kind of difference and level playing field, like you mentioned, of car to car. There's no difference there. There is an interesting aspect, though, I found with the esports events uh, for F1 is the mental pressure side is a different level and layer that's added on of some of these esports players. They're really good on their home setups. 
But when it comes to going to the uh, like the Gfinity Arena and performing on the stage with the floodlights on top of them, a little bit of an audience watching them, yeah. some of these guys, they do crack under pressure a little bit. But that's what you kind of want in a way. That's also, again, another layer of an athlete, a sportsman, is performing uh, under pressure and performing at maybe a location that's not familiar to you in training. You just played down how fast you were, but I'm not going to have any of that because Charlotte Claire <laughs> called you quite quick on your video. So I'm not going to have that at all. Uh, but just talking about your driving ability, how has it, it kind of changed since you've done the... Were you really interested in kind of F1 games seven or eight years ago? And then how has um, your driving changed since then? I, I My first F1 game was F1 2010. So the first kind of console game Codemasters did. So I only got into the Sport Formula 1 quite late on compared to maybe most of my fellow colleagues in, in this uh, industry. So, uh, yeah, my first game was F1 2010. So, yeah, I started on a controller back then, and I only swapped to a wheel on F1 2012. And even then, that was I was very, very slow back then. Um, so I have come a long way, I guess, in terms of picking up how, how fast I've gone. But... I play it down because it honestly is kind of like that for me, it, you know, in terms of I know every single year when the new game comes out, I need to be quick enough just to race the AI to a decent level to have yeah. an entertaining race. And that's pretty much where it stops me because I don't actually have a desire to get any faster because also there's an actually added weird nuance of if you're too quick as a content creator, you can't actually have a fun race with the AI because you're too quick for the AI. I think that's what sometimes some of my fellow content creators have an issue with, whereas I've always stayed in that happy medium of you know not being quick enough to have it be easy, but also being quick enough to um, have a fun race. But yeah, it's come a long way. I think I definitely maybe have probably gained about at least a second or so ballpark <laughs> figure in terms yeah. of lap time, let's say, over the years of Formula 1. I've gotten more used to it. But obviously, F1 keeps on throwing curveballs every year. You know, there's a new ERS system or, for yeah. example, 2020, they're changing the ERS system and they're making it more simplified after the real drivers complained of how overcomplicated it was. So that's a new thing I'm going to have to learn. So it always keeps you on your toes, uh, for sure. And it's always a learning process. You know, I always find at the start of a game cycle, I always find the game a lot harder versus the end of the game where it's a bit more of a walk in the park, let's say in terms of you know doing a casual video so yeah it's uh always something you have to keep up on but uh yeah for, uh, come a long way since those controller days of 2010 <laughs> and when did you turn assists off that was a lot later on actually 2012 i got my first wheel but it took me a good year and a half or so actually or maybe even two years actually yeah, yeah. two years actually i want to say so 20 uh, end of the 2013 game cycle onto f1 2014 was when i first started turning off things like the racing line and traction troll and the uh, automatic gears i actually ran automatic i think that was the last assist i turned off was automatic gears yeah i could never in my brain fathom how people change down and change <laughs> up gears that quickly yeah. but now it's second nature to me now i don't even think about it so it's a case of easing yourself in but it did take me two uh, good two years i think now people you know sometimes i've got viewers that tweet me about wanting to swap from assist to no assist and they want to try and do it in the span of like a few months for me you know it, it's each of their own for me it took a good two years to even get the confidence to do that and wrap my head around doing things that quickly because it is an f1 car it does you know it does go yeah. pretty damn quickly to these corners <laughs> so you'd have to you have to have, yeah. you have to think really really quite quickly so uh it did take quite a while for me i think compared to others my friends uh for example and how do you think kind of setup and gaming wheels and rigs have have made an impact on you because I, I did watch again sorry one of your older videos and it was just literally a logitech i think it was a logitech wheelbase strapped yeah. onto a desk with a little samsung lcd tv uh, yeah. And then you had a Formula One wheel kind of add-on attachment. But obviously now you, you did a video recently, didn't you, about the direct drive wheel and stuff. Um, how do you think that's changed your driving? Yeah, it's um, the, the actual inputs themselves. It, it does make a bit of a difference. I think at the end of the day, uh, the beauty with racing esports is at the ground level, it doesn't actually matter about the equipment. If you get used to the equipment you use, you will find a way to be quick. I know some sim races right now that don't even have the high-end direct drive wheels or the kind of top-level, you know, Thrustmaster wheels or Fanatec wheels, and they're still bloody quick. So it doesn't make yeah. a difference at the end of the day, but for sure the experience is so different. Like like you mentioned, it was like a, you know, a small little wheel clamped onto a desk and the force feedback was pretty much non-existent. So you had no sense of the curves or the weight of the car, um, but also just the enjoyment. You know, you just get a lot of enjoyment enjoyment of looking down at your hands and seeing like a proper nice formula one wheel yeah. and you know feeling the forces through through your hands uh it does make a difference and uh in terms of 
compared to in uh, the pedals as well have changed and come a long way the technology i think the pedals have come a, yeah. a lot further than the actual wheelbase itself like false feedbacks generally stayed the same apart from the direct drive whereas the pedals very different now you know you have these load cell pedals on the brake where it's a bit more like a real race car where you don't do it on travel time with the brake pedal it's more on the force you're putting in whereas when i started out in 2012 all the wheels on the market pretty much were just normal spring pedals where it was more about the travel distance of your of your left foot, yeah. uh, which is not obviously that realistic. So it has come a long way in terms of the actual technology itself. And then the quality as well. The quality has definitely stepped up. It's gone from like a plasticky feel in general of what you're holding in the steering wheel and the and the wheelbase to now these ones which come with carbon finish and all, and you know, these like brush metal, you know, plates for like the, the shifters. So it's uh, in a really nice, way the quality and the level has come up quite significantly even for the entry level wheels as well which is a good thing for anyone wanting to get into it all as well touching on that point i've started to review some of the kind of um not budget wheels but the kind of entry level wheels that you'd get yeah. so the the logitech g29 slash g920 the thrustmaster tmx pro and um the play seat challenge as well and i've always thought of myself as probably every kind of person my age thinks that they they're a decent racing driver and they can drive you know <laughs> like everyone kind of thinks yeah, yeah, that don't think they really good, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i must admit that i've always had the assists on pretty much in every racing game i've ever done and when i got the review stuff through i thought i cannot do it anymore i need to <laughs> i need to to review these products right i need to turn yeah. all the assists off and try to learn how to to drive without assist because that's just the most realistic uh what you're going to do so booted it up on f1 2019 and i thought barcelona because that's the, the testing, testing right, track yeah, yeah it's yeah. got it's got <laughs> the sh it's got the slow corner it's got medium speed it's got high speed so it's got everything so what i did was i just set myself up with all the assists went around as quick as i could a few times and i thought i need to beat this time without any assists on and yeah. I practiced for a long, like a big chunk every <laughs> single day. The wife was not happy, but anyway, <laughs> I <laughs> I spent a lot of time trying to. Ma I mean, the first few times coming up to t turn one, abysmal. Absolutely, <laughs> first first even input, I was just off straight yeah. away. The other, way, and I was just yeah. you cannot. In the early times, I was just thinking you, you cannot do this, and then time after time, you do a really slow lap. The first milestone is getting round without spinning, even yeah, if you're yeah, like 20 I, seconds I, slower. I remember tra turning traction control off was oh, the biggest pain. Like yeah. now, I don't even think about it. Like now, I mean, to be fair, anyone listening, they would still probably badge me about it because I do occasionally spin on times and make some mistakes. But um, who doesn't? I mean, you say that the esports drivers are alien. Well, they yeah. they make no mistakes. But yeah, traction's a massive thing. Getting used to because your your brain and muscles so used to just slamming down that right foot. Yeah. with the traction control on and it's such an art to balance the throttle pedal especially uh, a track like spain where you're trying to get on the power as early as you can out of these quite long swooping corners so yeah. um yeah i can uh yeah i can tell I, I still remember very vividly exactly the same thing that you yeah. just mentioned like you know painted a picture of when i took off the assist just going straight off or spinning <laughs> yeah. into yeah. a wall all this stuff and then the gear <laughs> like you said the gears is just it was just so difficult to get your head around okay so what gear do i have to be in for this for this um corner how do you know that how do you know the exact gear that you need to be in and then you're talking about upshifting um yeah upshifting <laughs> early and what i actually the there was a point where I only did half the track because I span out so much. And then I eventually got to turn 10. So it's after the straight yep. in the middle of the track. Bright, put my foot on the accelerator, absolutely gone. And I, I literally <laughs> couldn't get past that point. But I will say that after practicing, 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 there was a point where I thought, you know what, I've got this now. And I actually beat my time. It must have took okay, me like yeah. four, three or four weeks. And I eventually beat the time that I set without the assists. And it was the, the feeling that you get from beating a time with the assists on, with no assist, is just a very, very nice feeling. It's a re You feel a real sense of accomplishment. Yeah, because, yeah it is a real achievement. Because you, like, feel every, you feel every part of the car move and you're completely in control of that of that car yeah you're like on the edge you're on yeah, the edge definitely. of you know losing the back end or yeah. you know, locking up or, yeah. or or whatever the case so and also you put in the time as well so to to see like it well like with anything not just any kind of sport just any kind of skill you know you put in the time and it feels good to finally you know, actually have a result where you're like okay i've actually you know got that got the hang of it somewhat to the to the point where 
I'm now driving at the same pace I was with the assist, but now yeah. the difference is I can, you know, proudly say I've got no assists on and also opens up that world of possibility because you can continue to improve. Yeah. And, you know, overall, the game is quicker without no assists. So yeah. you have that ceiling lifted from above you that now you can go on and get even better. Yeah, so if anyone is thinking of turning off the assist, I would highly recommend it. It is the most infuriating experience, but... At the start. Yeah, at the start. But once you get past that initial stage of infuriation and you're in that middle stage of, okay, I'm kind of getting the hang of it. I'm kind of getting the hang hang of kind of upshifting early, the input that you put around the corners in terms of braking zone. Uh, Once you get that, you get a real sense of accomplishment from from going around a track with no assist. It's hard to explain, but... When you get it, when you get it, it's just it's it's a very yeah. nice feeling. <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyone that wants to read that um, that review, or we've done a, I've done a feature on the Daily Star about kind of yes for beginners into sim racing, and uh, both Logitech and the Thrustmaster are really good. And I'd recommend the PlaySeat Challenge as well, um, like a nice little rig as well. Um, yeah. What what have you got? Um, have you got a PlaySeat, or have you got something else? I do not. I, I've actually I'm one of those few that does not enjoy the whole F1 racing seat position. Oh, that's interesting. I like the kind of more upright, normal GT style of position. So I don't have a placey. I have a wheel stand pro, which is just like essentially it's a really well-made product. But essentially what it is, is a glorified load of like metal tubes connected (laughs) together to have a wheel upright, but it doesn't have to clamp onto a desk. And with the nature of my setup, I live in quite a small flat in London. So I have to move about my setup when I actually want to start racing. So it kind of works better to have some space when I'm not racing. So every time I race, I move this stand in front of my monitors, basically in front of my desk, and then just basically wheel in uh, my usual desk chair, which is a GT Omega. So um, yeah, maybe very different to maybe uh, what a lot of the sim racers have and a lot of the guys who play the game a lot compared to, you know, what I have. But uh, it's just a, a personal preference. I've just never... I've never gelled with that whole having your feet that high up off the ground, like pretty much uh, eye level to yeah. you uh, in a way. I mean, it's a, it's a great experience. Don't get me wrong. I've tried them plenty of times at Grand Prix when they've uh, got those kind of esports rigs set up in the kind of fan zone for F1. Always a lot of fun. Really great experience. But uh, in terms of uh, going back to, you know, being fast enough to create a good video, I always have to make sure I don't compromise myself in terms of having a good experience and also still maintaining that speed I need to make a video you know, every single day, basically. So it, I probably could get quick enough and be comfortable enough with the play seat eventually. But for now, just the uh, the wheel stand and, the, and a GT Omega will do me. Talking of being different, let's talk about my driver. Right. The series <laughs> yeah. that you've, because that is absolutely mental. I was watching, <laughs> <laughs> I was watching some bits. I mean, just, just give us a, bl- a brief explanation of what your my driver series is all about. Um, so F1 my driver started off, the reason I started it was back in uh, 2015 for the F1 2015 game. For some reason, I still don't know to this day, honestly, uh, Co-Masters launched the game without a career mode. So yeah, that was I a, a that, bit, yeah. that was a bit odd. So to counteract that, I thought, so all you could do was Grand Prix mode, which was just like a quick, you know, you do a quick race with AI. So to counteract that, I thought I'd create my own career mode on F1 2015 by modifying the PC version of the game and replacing Fernando Alonso's name in the game with my name and his helmet with my kind of personally designed helmet in the game, which you can do with like a load of programs uh, and basically create a career mode in that kind of sense. And then I thought, why don't you know, I'm modifying the game. Why don't I go a little bit uh, further? So at that point, obviously, if you remember, Honda was pretty horrific in Formula One, wasn't too quick. So I, you know, had this kind of hypothesis of like, you know, what if the Honda engine was actually pretty good when it came into Formula One. And so that was honestly the basis of, of of the series at the start. And as I went on through to the second season and third season, I started modifying the game more and more, and I saw viewers were responding to it really well. And so it became this kind of thing of what if Formula One was a lot more fluid in its driver transfers in the way that teams change their liveries and change their sponsors and you know even manufacturers coming into the sport. Essentially, everything that Formula One was not in that period of F1 of 2015 to 2018, it's a little bit different now. I guess, you know, the driver transfers have become a little bit more bonkers mm-hmm. as of late, uh, as was the case, you know, Carlos signs to Ferrari and Ricardo to McLaren. But I feel like it used to be quite vanilla in 2016 to 2017. Drivers didn't used to change teams as often. Um, and so it's got to the point now I, I've done eight, uh, well, before I brought it back, it was eight seasons on three different F1 games over the course of three years. So quite a big 
task to carry to carry forward and it's it's got like this continuous storyline so season to season it's not like i forgot what happened in the previous season it's all got one continuous storyline so somehow managed to pull this storyline off over three games over three years uh and it's got to the point where you've got teams like porsche f1 in it now bmw's taken over williams we've got audi in the sport now as well you've got all these really out there liveries that i've fully custom designed on like photoshop and modded onto the f1 game and you've got all these driver transfers that have occurred too many to list off but we've got many many ones that are either fan favorites that they wanted to see that never happened in real life or ones that i wanted to see and uh, i stopped the series in 2018 and then uh, I, I said i was never going to do it again because it's quite a lot of work a lot of stress uh, and also got to a <laughs> point where the, the, the transfers got so bonkers that I thought it's time to call it a day. But obviously then this entire situation in the world happened with COVID and I thought, you know what, a lot of people are doing these charity events to bring a good feel, good morale to their viewers and entertain fans. What can I do personally on my channel? And I thought, you know what, I think it'd be a really great nostalgia trip and a really big good feel factor to bring back this series for one little last hurrah, little 11 episode series. And uh, so I brought it back for a ninth season so I can't quite believe I'm doing a ninth season of it because, you know, that's the the kind of way TV shows run, not YouTube series usually. So it's gone quite a while. I started off in game of 2015. We're now at 2023. So we're in the future now. But um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, bonkers stuff has occurred in this series to the point where I've actually predicted some things in Formula 1, in real life Formula 1. I did one. see that, actually. Yeah, I did yeah see when the some, Ricardo yeah. announcement came uh, that he was moving to, to McLaren, at that point in 2021 in my, my driver series, I had predicted, or not, I didn't predict, at the time I wasn't predicting it, it was just my, my you know, personal desire. Uh, I had Ricardo and Norris in a McLaren in 2021 in my series, and that wow. video was uploaded back in 2017. So it was four years ahead of its time. So, um, yeah, there's been a few little Houdini things like that, like uh, Aston Martin having a partnership with Red Bull, yeah. uh, Rosberg retiring from a top team, Vettel leaving Ferrari at the end of 2020. What else? I'm trying to think of uh, other... There's been, there's been quite a few bonkers things. So, yeah, it's this very massive fantasy world I've created a Formula One, which uh, fans can get behind, and it's the kind of story-driven career mode, yeah. which kind of sets it apart from a lot of other creator series, I guess. Well, if you if you haven't checked it out i would really recommend it go on to a youtube channel and check it out it's absolutely mental but it's amazing to watch and uh even jaggy was in there i don't know how he managed to get that in there but that was uh yeah it's mental if you haven't seen it go and check it out uh but i wanted to talk to you as well about your ambassador role at alfa romeo esports yeah. what does an ambassador mean what do you do for alfa romeo on a kind of day-to-day -day basis um, so a majority of my work will just obviously be pushing the brand in, in a good way and just kind of doing the work I already do uh, in a sense, you know, just, you know, being a good representative for them. But when it comes to the esports stuff, when the season obviously kicks off, because right now we're in the off season. So even for the drivers, there's not really much to do apart from these charity events right now. But when the season does kick off, it's a lot of PR work, a lot of stuff, uh, getting to work with the PR team with Alfa Romeo, which is really, really cool. I've had a few awesome moments last year where uh, Pedro, one of the guys who works at Alfa Romeo in the PR department, he's literally handed me his phone that's logged into the alfa romeo racing instagram account wow and has just said just make a story i know you're gonna be able to do it and i can do it in one obviously i do it in one take for him in front of him and he's amazed at it uh you know saying <laughs> that you know it's like crazy to, to see that me do an instagram story in one take versus the drivers having to do it like 10 times but it's always just uh, i don't know if he realizes how much of a crazy thing that is for me it's a simple thing of just handing me a phone but you're handing me a phone that's logged into such a big account with such a big name in formula one and, and in general in in cars but you know alfa romeo is such a big brand so to be handed his phone and just be tasked with the job of doing a story like that is pretty crazy. So there's been a few cool moments like that. Obviously, just trying to explain the esports stuff to casual viewers sometimes with the content we've made. And then also just getting involved with Alfa Romeo on the content side as well. Uh, I got to film a really awesome video racing Kimi Raikkonen on the F1 game last wow. year at Silverstone. So did that he get was to talk, or did he? Yeah, no, no. Actually, I came out of that interview. I came out with the. We did a little interview afterwards, but also the main thing was racing on the F1 game with this kind of peer two PS4 setups we got. But all throughout, he was like, you know, smiling and laughing. And we came out of that video, and all the Alpha Romero guys were saying 
we have never seen him that <laughs> that smiley. Like Kudo, you've done a massively you great bro- job. You like, broke Kimi Raikkonen. Like you, yeah, yeah. I was really, really proud of that because you know to hear that from the team that takes care of him. To you know yeah. to hear the words that he's never been that chirpy in any of the other interviews. It's like you know we smashed it. That's exactly what we want to do. Is we want to. That's what I think Veloce and Alfa Romeo wanted to kind of have by bringing me in as an ambassador in this role and have that merge of YouTube and gaming and the real life is create that content and create that result that you just don't get with normal, just the real life sport sometimes is always quite dreary and quite in a square box of the questions they they want to ask or they're allowed to ask, whereas we can go a little bit more fun, a bit more casual and kind of give the drivers a bit more fun. And also at the same time, promote the esports side, which is obviously the overriding thing is trying to get as many people interested or, you know, hearing about the esports team as, uh, as much as we can. Who won? You or Kimmy? Uh, I, I did, but it was on a controller. I'll uh, say okay, that. Okay. I'm sure, as was demonstrated now, uh, with all these real F1 drivers having a full wheel rig, I'm sure Kimmy Raikkonen could absolutely give me a seeing to on a wheel, I'm sure of it, but because uh, we, we had to take this, set, it was a very makeshift setup, but uh, to be fair, I'm very proud of my Veloce team for like, you know, making it all happen and on the fly working with it. Cause we essentially had to bring in two PS4s, two monitors, all the cables that come with it. Yeah. And we had to makeshift setup in the Alfa Romeo hospitality in the paddock. So it was very, we had to cobble it together to make it all work. And it also the camera setups and recording it, there was no way we could record it locally on like an Elgato or something. So we had to just point the cameras at the TV and our videographers had to do some amazing work to try and get the screens not to be so fuzzy as they usually are if yeah, you record a screen. Yeah. So mega, mega work. But uh, obviously we had to do maybe do what we did. So I did beat him, which I, I will claim until he races me on a wheel. So, <laughs> you know, Alfa Romeo, if you're watching or anything like that, you know, if you want to make it happen on a wheel, then I'll happily do that. But for now, I'll, I'll take the bragging rights of being Kimi Raikkonen on a controller. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure he'd be quick. On a, I on feel a I feel a rematch coming on, to be honest. On a yeah, you know what? You've said it now. You know, I, I would love a rematch. I yeah. would love one. So, you know, I'm, I'm, Kimi, maybe, if you're listening. <laughs> that maybe is an idea for, uh, <laughs> I need to kind of badge my esports team for. It's like, you know, could we do a rematch on a wheel at some point later this year? That would be quite, <laughs> quite a cool idea. <laughs> and which um, esports lineup have you got for Alfa Romeo this year? Uh, so we haven't actually fully announced the full lineup yet. The only announcement ah, okay. we've made so far is the return of our Hungarian superstar, Danny Brezne, who's a mega, mega driver. So, so quick. Got very unlucky last year with some equipment issues, actually, at the start of the season. So if it wasn't for that, I think he would have been a lot higher in the championship. And saying that, we still came and managed to be, become third in the championship. So it was still a great season for us. But hoping to do even better things, of course. Yeah, we're still yet to announce our second driver and anything around that. Are you in talks? Are you you gonna the main negotiator that is going out oh uh, no i uh, i am thankfully not involved in any of the negotiations <laughs> that is not my expertise and probably the drivers are happy that i'm not involved in that i leave that to all the behind the scenes you know the, the people who are actually employed to do that kind of stuff i do know there's a few people that we're talking to and kind of i've heard names here and there so it's exciting to hear but uh i don't know anything until it's uh until i'm told right at the last minute when it's announced i would get a phone call into sev vettel if i were you <laughs> I mean, he's not he's not going to be doing anything else, is he? I mean, not yeah, I mean, if he's, if this not, year. But... If he's not in F1, yeah, maybe he <laughs> takes a fancy to that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But uh, I'd really appreciate your time coming on the podcast. Um, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I didn't, yeah, think, yeah, we'd, so likewise, I didn't likewise. think we'd get on to talking about FIFA and, you know, how, all that. I'm a massive football fan. Yeah. And I, like I said, I live with a, a FIFA content career, so I can't not talk about FIFA. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, happy to. And we've just pretty much like destroyed it compared to F1. Really. So uh, <laughs> make, make sure he listens to this podcast. And uh, yeah, but yeah, it's been a pleasure talking to you. But where can um, if fans obviously don't listen to you already or watch your videos, where can they find you? Uh, my main uh, my main uh, platforms YouTube so youtube.com forward slash uh, Arava and then on uh, social media Twitter and Instagram it's just underscore Arava on those two things so if you're a Formula One fan or if you're wanting getting, wanting to get into racing uh, then yeah that's uh, that's the place to be nice one thanks a lot for your time appreciate it cheers nice one Thank you for listening to the Level Up podcast and esports and gaming show. Make sure you've subscribed to the podcast and follow us on social media at Level Up Pod. We'll be back for another episode very soon. Yeah.